Let's pray. God, thank you so, so much. Lord, thank you, Lord, for, for hearing and answering prayers, God. It's an answer to prayer even as, as David wrecked his motorcycle, God. That's when you pray advanced, put a hedge of protection for a day, God, that, that even though bad things happened, you were there in the midst of it. And, and he, even though with the fall, God, and Lord, and even with John's fall, and well, they both could have been so much worse than they were, God. So thank you, Father, for Lord, just protecting us from from harm's way, but Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for blessing us, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for being so patient and long-suffering with us, God. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to just come together on Wednesdays, God, and look into your word and learn a little bit more about you, Father. I pray you'd bless everyone here, Father. I pray, Lord, you'd teach to me, God, that you might teach through me. Help us, Father, to be pleasing to you in all we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we'll pick up our study, Romans chapter 12, if y'all haven't forgotten. It was, it was five weeks ago now. Um, when we left off, we, were at, we finished verse number 8. So tonight we'll pick up at verse number 9 of Romans chapter 12. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Now, that word preferring right there, just a quick time out, but that is to persevere. That means to be, to be diligent or to be earnest about it. It says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Then in verse 14, he says, Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. So we'll stop reading right there. That's about as far as I could hope to, to get tonight, since there's kind of a change of direction. Anyway, you can be seated. Verse number 9 there, Paul gives us responsibilities as Christians. I'm going to tell you this more than once tonight to make sure that you understand this whole passage, these few verses right here, are written to Christians. This isn't written to us when we were lost. This isn't written to the world. These are instructions to you and I. These are daily values given to us to help us live a Christian life. It is our responsibility to extend love to all the brethren. This first, and he, he changes gears in verse 14, but this first part right here, he is dealing on brothers and sisters. He is dealing in the family. He is within the church, within the redeemed. He's talking to you and I about how our relationship is to be with one another, to extend love and grace to the brethren. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. That affects every area of our lives as Christians. It affects, you know, JB, if you remember four weeks ago, that's when I was going to that lift to get the lift. JB talked about character. Y'all remember JB's message? Really good message. Picked up great on live stream. I was doing so good at the time, riding down the road listening. He, he gave this quote. Um, I didn't text while driving. I was just talking into my notepad because I wanted to remember what he said. But I, I believe it was from a fire chief he said he put out. He said that Satan is not intimidated by our anointing if he has control of our character. I said, oh, yep, driving or not, I got to write that one down. If I remember it, I'm going to need that. That's good. That may not be good for a preaching point to get to reuse. That might be his, but, but it's going to be a good one for me to remember. Little did I know. It was going to be a good one for me to remember. 
I, um, that, that day, I had left about, I think I left home about 12.30, a little after midnight, Tuesday morning, I guess that would be, if it's after midnight, isn't it? And drove basically to the New York state line up, up top side of New Jersey and picked up this lift, and I, I had a really good run up there, got it loaded, headed back, everything was good. I'd been driving, I guess, about 19 hours. I was almost back to North Carolina, um, and I thought, well, Things was a little blurry. I'm not going to make it home anyway. JB was scheduled to preach on Wednesday. I just figured I'd be back about lunch. So I was going to make it to the North Carolina line. And then I was going to stop and take a little nap when I woke up, come on home on Wednesday. And I probably wasn't 20 miles from North Carolina when I made that decision. And it was a long time before I completed that last 20 miles. <laughs> I, um, I passed the truck, and I noticed a little smoke in my mirror, and so I decided to stop and look, and I had a little pinhole in a fuel line that was dripping fuel on top of my motor, and so the fuel was smoking. I thought, man, that'll catch my truck on fire. I'm going to make it up here to the next exit, and I'll just go ahead and get off there. There was a love truck stop going to be at it, so maybe I'd get it fixed. Well, by the time I got there, man, I was dumping fuel all over the road. Truck looked like it was on fire. Miracle it wasn't, and of course... Being brilliant, I just pulled in and shut it off right when I turned in the gate, right by a big propane tank. So at least if it was on fire, the whole place was going to go up in fashion. We were going to make the news good. I opened the toolbox, grabbed my fire extinguisher out, opened the hood. I had fuel just dumped all over it, and I thought, well, we ain't going anywhere anytime soon. And, you know, that, that's when things kind of turn downhill. You know, people aren't very helpful these days. Um, they're, they're out to, most of them are nine-to-five jobs, and they're out to get the paycheck, and they're not out to do people. I, I will say there was a... There was one black gentleman over in the tire shop that was very helpful. He couldn't do nothing, but he was still very helpful. At least he came out and looked at it and told me he couldn't do anything. Um, all I want to know is about parts. But it became obvious once I found out what was wrong, it was going to be a Ford part. I wasn't going to be able to get anywhere else. And that means you ain't going nowhere until the Ford place opens. So, I mean, I've only been up at that point, what, 22 and a half hours. And when you live in the country, you're used to it being really dark and really quiet. And when you're in the parking lot of a truck stop is anything but it was really bright and everything but quiet so I pretty much just sat in my truck most of the night but things looked up morning time and I thought man it's about 5 30 quarter six I'm gonna go in there and get me a cup of coffee love does have pretty good coffee that's about all I got good to say but I'm going I thought man it'd be good to have a biscuit because I hadn't eaten in I don't know probably 30 hours now Robin will tell you when I hit the road it's a mission I'll eat when I get back home it don't matter to me it's a mission it's a to and from 20 hours, 30 hours, no matter, I just don't eat. So I thought, well, I ain't got nothing else to do. The Ford place is going to open later at 9 o'clock. Man, it should be nice if I had a biscuit. I'm telling you, God performed a miracle. I've been looking at the front of that love truck stop all night long, and that McDonald's was not there. Y'all don't believe me, do you? But I went to go, I'm like, where did that come from? I've been looking all night. God miraculously put that McDonald's right here on the end of this love. So I had me a McDonald's big breakfast. Sunrise was beautiful. Ford Place opened at 8 instead of 9. Man, my, my day's looking up. Um, of course, Nashville Ford Place didn't have the part. No, I wasn't surprised, but he can order it and get it for him in a couple of days. I'm like, um, but I don't think you understand. I, I got high hopes not being here in a couple of days. I told him my situation. He checked with another Ford Place. They got it. And as Lord would have it, he said, I got a delivery guy going to pick up some parts down there today. We'll pick it up for you. In about five minutes, he called back. He said, but I got some bad news. That delivery truck ain't going. Um, okay. He says, now, I can send somebody to get it for you, but I'm going to charge you for it. 
And I'm like, okay, well, how much is that going to be? He said, well, I've charged you $40 to go pick it up. I'm like, you ain't gone yet. I mean, I'm in Virginia. All I need is that fuel line. So, you know, it's 55 miles, so I'm figuring an hour there and an hour back. So about normal, people pay about an hour. He got back a little over three hours later with my part. By then, I had the whole top off my motor and all just to get to one fuel line. Y'all know how it is. Always got to be the bottom part. Put it back on, fix, hit the road. I'm good to go. I'll be home in time for church. I'm, I'm running about 73 because I don't want no problem. Got the lift up on the trailer and had a blowout on the trailer. Man, I don't want to be out here without a spare. Put my spare on, I won't have one. That's just a borrowed trailer. That's why you don't borrow stuff. So I find a tire store. I Parking, I go over and I ask the guy, and he says, Yeah, well, I got all these cars in the parking lot. I ain't room for you to get in here right now. You're going to have to wait a little bit. Okay, well, I'm a long way from home, but I mean, I don't have a lot of choice. He said, Go find somewhere to wait. I said, Okay, so we're on a four lane highway with a turn lane in the middle, so I just parked right dead in the middle of the road out there where I had a driveway blocked. And I figured I would hurry him up and get him to me a little quicker, you know. I didn't have nowhere else to park anyway. So after about 30 minutes, they finally moved some cars around. I get in. I mean, they just, man, they cussing up one side, down the other, talking. And I pull in there, changing the tire. And a minute ago, I said, where are you from? So I talk, and we're talking. He said, what are you doing? And he asked me why I have the lift. I said, well, I'm a pastor of a church, and, and I just went up there to buy it. We need a church. Oh, you're a pastor. It's amazing how people's vocabulary changes. And they want to start talking these stories about, I got this friend that's a pastor, and my cousin, he goes up to so-and-so church, but it's okay it, Help the vocabulary, so things got a little better. $159 for the tire wasn't bad at all. 12-ply tire, didn't have a 14-ply. I put it on. I thought, okay, I'm going to be safe. Set the cruise on 67. When it gets dark, roads cool down, we'll run 75. Right now, 67. I go 20 miles down the road. Pow, tire blows out. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. Church is looking a whole lot less likely long about now. Since I'm still well in North Carolina and I got a flat tire and it's, the only reason I know it's 445 is because I went to two truck stops, and neither one of them had it, and there was a mechanic, truck mechanic place, trucks parked everywhere over across the bridge. Pull up there, and they got a sign out front, do not come in, COVID, dot, 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 call this number. I called, tell the guy what size tire I got. So you got one of those? He said, sure do. I said, if you don't mind, buddy, I, I need to get one. I'm out front, got a trailer. He says, um, well, we close at 5. Okay, um, 445. Well, it's, it's 15 minutes we close. I said, um, like, I mean, y'all got power tools here, don't you? I mean, how long does it take to change a tire? Um, well, I, I can get you one on, but I'm going to have to charge you a little extra for after hours. And y'all, y'all know my mind. I just got through. I mean, you, you, you try, you remember character? We ain't even got to the message yet. We ain't even got to the message yet. I'm, I'm trying to remember character. You're going to charge me for after hours. It's 445, you close at 5. I just bought the tire right up the road, 20 miles up the road, $159. He charged me $275 for the same tire. I get the tire on, get back out, I drive down the road. Then JB goes preaching on character. I'm like, God, you got an incredible sense of humor. I hope you're enjoying this because I'm not. I've missed church. I planned on being home a long time ago, but it's all good. If you just keep me not having another flat, it would be greatly appreciated. One of the things I did learn, I had two jacks, and both the jacks I had together wouldn't pick the trailer up with that lift on it. So I was already going to have a problem if I had another flat. But going up, I had seen a sign where there was a QT station that had fuel for a dollar or for, for two fifty nine a gallon. That's like twenty cents a gallon cheaper. So I thought I'm making it back to that exit. 
I wouldn't have done it except I did know I had five gallons of fuel back there on the trailer. I don't travel that far anymore without carrying a fuel can. So I made it to the sign where it says one mile to my exit. That's where I made it to. I pulled over, got my five-gallon can out, put it in my truck. But I'm getting that 259 fuel dad going. <laughs> Pour it in. I made it up to the QT, fill it up, fill my five-gallon can back up. And, you know, I've got a 35-foot hydraulic dovetail behind me, gooseneck. I got it all over the side because I'm thinking, man, it's going to be the middle of the night before I get home now. And, Lo, Whopper Jr. sounds pretty good. And just as the Lord would have it, right up the road up that way was the Wendy's. And down the road, down there was a Burger King. I said, I'm going to walk down there. So I moved it over to the side. I got it out of the way. Walked all across the parking lot. There's a truck stop in the back. Down the hill, cross the four-lane highway, go up to Burger King. Door won't open. I, read, I ain't got my glass with me. I'm reading the sign. Started to take a picture up my phone. I could blow it up. Y'all don't do that, do you? But I'm reading, and what I can clearly see is that our dining hall is open from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m., our dining room, and, you know, you must enter at your own risk and all that stuff. I jiggle the other door. They're both locked. I look, and this little guy's standing inside there. He looks at me. He just turns around like I ain't there. It's 945. This place is supposed to be open. So I proceeded around the building. I already know from experience that you can't walk up the drive-thru and get anything. So that, at least that's what they told me at that window. Um, because it's, uh, it's dangerous to walk up the drive through windows. So I knew I wasn't going to get any food, but I was going to find out why is your door locked 15 minutes before this thing's supposed to be closed up. But JB just got through preaching on character. <clears throat> Can I tell you, character ain't always easy. So I walk all the way back up the hill, cross the four lane, back up that hill, back across the QT, got in my truck. There's an advantage to pulling oversized loads your entire life. Just saying, you can do things with a truck that other people just can't do. Back down across the QT, down that little road, crossed the four lane. I took a 35-foot dovetail with that on behind on, on the back of an extended cab F-250 through the drive through at Burger King. I pulled up to the window. My tail end still passed the microphone out there. Little old boy, the one that turned and looked at me. I said, how you doing, buddy? He said, yeah, I'm good. My Whopper Jr. $4, whatever. And he leans out to Give me my change, and he goes. And he couldn't even see the other end of it. I said. He got me my change, went on. I, now, character ain't always easy, but character's always right. I had some other things I could have said to two or three of those folks, especially the one that charged me $275 for that tire. I did have on a shirt that said Faith Baptist Church and he's alive, so I was trying to represent that. When we deal with one another, the world watches how we do things. Whether you're dealing with a Christian or a non-Christian, the world sees what you do. The world remembers what you do. The world doesn't need any ammunition against us. They, they've got enough already. And to be honest, most of us honest because most of us have messed up enough already. So they already got their guns loaded. But, but be, being Christian integrity, being Christian character, it involves work. And I'll go ahead and plug another one in. The devil knows your weaknesses. 
He knows if you're a type A, and he knows if you're in a hurry, and he knows if you're behind and don't need to be. He knows how to stall you, and that's the one thing. Get every red light in town. Everybody that can't drive pulls out in front of you, goes two doors down and stops to make a left-hand turn, and they wait for the car that's coming five miles away to get there. You're like, where was I when, when you pull out? The, the devil knows how to get to what matters the most, right? He don't make it easy on keeping character, does he? So Paul says, let love be without dissimulation. That, before I got into all that, I, I was in this part here because this dissimulation, this, this is a false appearance. It means a, a counterfeit. What Paul says is that our love for others is supposed to be real. The, the love that we share for one another shouldn't be an imitation. It shouldn't be something that we put on. It shouldn't be something that we come to church and we have to work on, and then when we go home, we're like, oh, I'm glad that's over. It, it needs to be a real thing, not, not a front that we put on. We ought to truly love one another. Now, Paul, again, he is dealing with Christians and how Christians ought to deal with other Christians. If you remember in our last study, and you may not, it's been several weeks back, it says that we, we were looking at how we have many members in one body. All members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one member is one of another. Y'all remember that now? That brings back a little bit of memory of what we're looking at, how we're all fitly joined together, and it takes every single one of us to create one whole we're still in that same line of teaching within the church family. And this word dissimulation here, it is associated with the word hupo or hypocrin. That's where we get our English word hypocrisy. Now, I've shared this before, so I won't spend a lot of time, but I do want to bring it as a reminder that that word um, hypocrisy, it comes from the old days of, of ancient theaters when they did a lot of theatricals, and people who were really good actors had multiple parts. People that were really talented, they'd come out and they'd be one character, and then they'd go back in. Matter of fact, like y'all watch Andy Griffin? You know, Ernest T. Bass, he's about five different people on the show, right? You know what I'm talking about? You know, always different people. That's kind of what these were, and so they, they were called hypocrites. The actors who were really good because they would go in and change costumes and come out and be somebody else. So what that meant is, is they could be multiple characters. They represented multiple people. And that's what people are who pretend to be one thing when they're at church. But they pretend to be something else on Monday at work. And they pretend to be something else on Friday night at the bar room. It's hypocrites. It's claiming to be different people. That's what he's talking about here in this. Our true Christian character is to be founded on solid Christian principles. If our character is not based out of the Word of God, and we do not spend time with God in the morning before we ever leave to get out into that world, we have very little chance of displaying a Christian moral type of character when the day starts going south. Anybody's day goes south? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all ain't going to sleep yet, have you? So, so he says, abhor that which is evil... Cleave to that which is good. We, we are always to, to love good things, and we're always to love one another. That was the whole thing where he started, have love one for another. Be kindly affection, verse number 10, one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. That word preferring right there means to lead the way. That means love them first. Or it may even mean love them anyway. Some people, you know, they just don't like you. I'm sorry, but bottom line, if you don't like me like I am, you ain't going to like who I'm going to pretend to be. 
And if I pretend to be something and you find out that I'm not really that, you got a reason not to like me. So, so the bottom line is, if I love you first, well, not first. If, if you love someone anyway, that's what Jesus did. He loved us anyway. Greg just talked about it. We were unlovable. We were unfit. We were unworthy. And, and in all honesty, you can't say that we loved God because we didn't. That showed in our attitude. You could have said it, but it wasn't true because of the way we were living. So we didn't love him, but he loved us anyway. Well, that's what he says. We're supposed to be with each other, kindly affection, to love one another in spite of ourselves. You know, sometimes I know I make it difficult, but you just got to love me in spite of me. I'm doing the best I can. And there are some other people, well, they don't go to faith, but some people I just have to love in spite of them. Everybody that goes to faith, it's very easy to love them. They're so lovable and kindly affectioned. I just return what comes my way. But there are some in some places, though, that you kind of have to work out and love them anyway. You know what I mean? It, it is to set an example. It, it is to show a difference. We are to love others first. It is a true Christian trait to be kindly affectioned one to another. We have a responsibility to show grace to one another. We've been freely given grace, and he said freely we've been given Freely we are to give. If God is so graceful and so merciful to us, then we ought to be just as graceful to others. But as it really is, is most of the time within the church is one of the quickest places where the finger pointing gets started. I need to preach that on Sunday morning, don't I? I need to leave that out of Wednesday night. We'll just move on and leave that alone. I, I know we use all the time in John 13, 34, 35, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love to one another. And I know we've used that an awful lot because what, he, what Jesus is saying there is if you want people to know you're a Christian, just love people. That nothing, nothing else, there's nothing else tied to it. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples that you have love one for another. But in 1 John chapter 3, beginning verse 14, it says, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. You know that no murderer hath, hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, Seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Love for the brethren is proof of our spiritual life. There's a quote, and it didn't say who the author was, so I can't give credit where credit is due. But it says, to dwell above with saints in love, that will indeed be glory. But to dwell below with saints we know, well, that's a different story. It's going to be a lot easier when we get to heaven, isn't it? But we're supposed to act the same way toward one another now that we will when we get there. In there, it's all going to be joy and happiness. John Phillips says, basically referring, coming off that same type of quote, he, he says it may be difficult to love one another the way we're supposed to, but he says it can be done. 
He says, talking about Jonathan, that when it became obvious to Jonathan that David was preferred over him, that David would be the king behind Saul and not his son Jonathan, that that Jonathan showed brotherly love to David. He set out to help David. He was his friend. And, And then in return, when David became king, he forgave Jonathan, which Jonathan really didn't do anything to him, but he forgave what Saul had done to him, and then he hunted out Mephibosheth to find somebody to, to give a blessing to. See, the exercise of grace, is that's how people see Christ in us. When we exercise goodness toward one another, when we exercise love toward one another, when we, when we love each other in spite of ourselves, that's how the world sees Christ in us and Christ through us. Verse 11, he says, Be not slothful in business, uh, or not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now, the first chapters, the first 11 chapters of Romans, as we looked at earlier, Paul emphasizes justification by faith. But as we talked about when we started this, that here we begin to see a picture of our works. Our works cannot get us saved, but if we are saved, our works ought to be visible. Wake up the person sitting beside you. Nobody heard that. Works cannot get us saved, but if we are saved, there ought to be good works. If we truly are saved, good works ought to come out of us and through us so that other people see the good works in us. To help us understand what what Paul is saying here, this this not slothful in business, it has nothing to do with, with secular jobs. God didn't turn over here to start talking about in the world right here, and and I've heard a lot of things put on this, but it has to do with the gifts that God has given you and I for the furtherance of the gospel. God is concerned about how you and I act as Christians and how you and I act as presenting the gospel to others and presenting um, Jesus Christ to others. So what Paul is saying, if you look at the word business right there in verse number 11, if you still got your Bible open, If you look up at verse number 8, and I know we covered verse number 8 five weeks ago, but I I want you to see something. The word business right here in verse 11, and and right there in verse number 8, there's a word that is translated diligence. In the Greek, that's the exact same word. They they interchange. He could have used either one of those in verse 8. He could have used either one of those in verse 11. So what Paul is simply telling us is that we're to be diligent in the Lord's work at all times. Never slothful, but always fervent in doing the work of the Lord. What do we think when we think of fervent? For me, I always think of heat. Second um, Peter 3.10, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall melt away with great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So, so to me, if, if the word fervent, if you look that word up and, and it deals with heat, the word that Paul used there from the Greek is dealing with hot or boiling. It's dealing with heat. So what that tells me is Paul, Paul is saying our insides ought to be boiling with the goodness of God. We ought to be on fire inside. There ought to be something burning in us. That's where our light comes from. We don't have our own light. The light is Christ. We're reflective. But there ought to be like a fire inside of us that energizes. Listen, we need to be telling, Greg just said it, we need to be telling everybody about Jesus. Not because it's our job. It is not my job as a pastor. It's not my job as a preacher. It's not your job as teachers. It's not your job as Christians. It's not your job 
period. It ought to be our passion, not our job. We don't tell people about Jesus because we get paid to do it. We're getting paid more than we're ever going to deserve. we got an eternal home in glory. It ought to be our passion. There ought to be a fire inside of us that wants to tell people about Jesus Christ. I was on my way to hell too, but I ain't going there now. And, and I want to tell you why. There ought, there ought to be something inside that is just on fire. It's just boiling. You know, if something boils, anybody ever put something on this boil and you walk away and forget about it for a minute? It, it kind of forgets where it's at, doesn't it? It starts boiling out. But when it starts boiling out, it starts getting on other stuff. That's the way we ought to be with Christ. It ought to boil up in us. It ought to boil out of us as excitement so that whoever we get around, it's just got to get on them a little bit. Whether or not they accept what you got, they can't deny what you got if it gets on them. Amen? He says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, mm-mm. continuing instant in prayer. So Paul gives us a list of things there that we ought to be doing as Christians, rejoicing, praising, glorifying at all times. I mean, we have a promise that can never be broken. We have an eternal home that can never be taken away. We have the promise of Jesus Christ that he's gone to prepare a place. We have a picture of the streets of gold, the walls of jasper, the, the 12 gates of pearl. We have the promise that we're in the presence of God always and forever. I mean, it's not like we have some little vague, well, I hope so. I just hope I make it. I hope I don't get thrown out. No, that's not what we have. We have a written promise from a holy, sovereign, righteous God who cannot lie that we have an eternal home in glory. We got stuff to be excited about. We as Christians ought to be happy people. Listen, I'm sorry if you're walking around in the mother grubs all the time. I got questions about you. If you, I mean, something's always broke, something's always hurting, something's always bad, ain't never nothing good goes on in your life, man, you need to remember your promise if you're a child of God. I'm sorry, but we got way too much to be thankful for to be in the dumps 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We all get down. We all go through some valleys and some troubles and some trials. But you can't live down there in the muck and the mire. Not if God is your God. We got so much to look forward to. Somebody ought to say amen. I mean, I, I know it's Wednesday night. That means I'm preaching to the choir. Somebody ought to agree. We got something to be happy about. Anybody got something you'd be happy about? If you didn't raise your hand, you need to get saved. Because if we've got Christ living in us, we got something to be happy about. All of my sins has been erased. All of my past has been forgotten. All of my mess-ups have been fixed up. I am written in the Lamb's book of life. I am sealed. I've got his name on my forehead. Devil can't touch me. Put a finger on me if God don't allow it. I've got a hedge about me, around me, over me, under me. He can't get nowhere near me. And when I leave this world, he can't touch nothing about me. I'm going into the presence of God. We of all people ought to be happy people. COVID-19 or not, we ought to be happy people. It doesn't matter what's going on. You can't, as a child of God, we can't live in the mully groves all the time and expect people to see Christ in us. If I'm always down in the dump, everything's always bad and everything's always wrong, why does anybody want what I got? They got enough problems of their own. They don't need none of mine. But when they see a smile, when a smile don't make sense, mmm. Lord, 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 Lord. 
I done got to preaching. I don't know what I was even teaching on now. I, I don't know. I don't know who said this one either. Said that God is too wise to make a mistake, too loving to be unkind, and too powerful to be overthrown. So whatever's happening in our lives had to be allowed by God. So we are to learn from it, grow from it, and praise him through it. Nowhere in all of the New Testament will it ever say that we will be delivered from tribulation. Nowhere in all the New Testament, not once, does it ever even insinuate that as children of God, we will not go through trials and troubles and, and tribulation. We're not immune from it. Since, since the first day of the church, there has been tribulation against Christians. There has been troubles and trials against Christians. You know, I also read, and it was talking because of Hitler and all those guys, but in, in the day that some of us grew up in from from certainly when I would have been young, but within our lifetime, what they're saying is there have been more Christians persecuted and killed during our generation than all of the generations before B because of some of those ruthless people and the ability they had to do, to do mass murders. We don't see a lot of it. We haven't seen a lot of it because we live in one nation under God, or at least was, still is, just a lot of them have forgotten it. But, but we haven't seen a lot of the persecution here yet. I hope we don't. But I, I can tell you this. If God ever gets tired of America's foolishness, if God ever stops on America's garbage and what we're allowing and what we're doing, and God says that's it and takes his hand off, it's going to take more than singing God bless America to ball game to get him back. If he ever takes his hands off, this country's done. But I don't have time for that either. I'm not even going to make it through these few verses that we read. So, so Paul here, let me just finish up this a little bit. Paul doesn't say that we're to be patient while we're waiting on winning the lottery. You know, we've been, we've been praying to win the lottery and buying tickets every week, right? You're not going to admit it if you are. We're supposed to be patient through tribulation. I know if y'all just win it, you're going to pay 10%, right? You're a liar. You ain't paying 10% of a $100 bill. You ain't fixed to pay 10% of a million dollars. I go ahead and tell you, you ain't going to write a check to church for a million dollars. If you do, I'm going to start praying with you. Go to God, please let them win the lottery. Please, please let them win. And then if they don't, just give it all to the church. Don't let them have none of it. I don't know why I get off on that. You, you can't get to heaven without going through this life. That makes sense. The trials and the tribulations and everything in this life is part of life. Everything that we go through is to shape us more into the image. But but there is no getting to heaven without coming into this life. Now I know some people like to be argumentative. What about infants? It don't matter. They were in this life. Those that were aborted were in this life because I believe life begins at conception. Amen. No, I don't believe it. It's just a fact. It's a fact. If you, they don't do anything to alter it, it's a life, and life begins at conception. So you can't get to heaven unless there's the beginning of this life. But for most of us, we go through this life. And in order to get to heaven, we go through some things. But all of those things are to shape us and to mold us and to make us. And, and as bad as it is, it, it's, it's very easy to be in a good mood when everything's going good. 
It's very easy to display a Christian attitude when everything in your world is right side up and everybody around you is happy and everybody around you is friendly and all is good. But when the bills don't get paid and there ain't no way to pay them and there's sickness in the house and the, the people around you are, are just always down and are arguing and throwing stuff and, and it seems like everything in your world is upside down, those are the most difficult times in life. But that goes back to a light shining in the darkness. The light is never brighter than in the darkest time of the night. So when things are upside down in our world, but our light still shines, that is the greatest opportunity for us to grow and for God to be glorified. Amen? Well, I'm not close to where I wanted to, to get to, but I am out of time. I spent a little too much time in my story, but that's okay. I just want to tell you all, what JB did to me that night, Yes, what JB did to me that night was about the same thing as when you pray for patience for yourself. Now, I've warned y'all about that before. And those of you new and you ain't heard it, I'm going to give y'all a fair warning now. You pray for patience if you want to, but don't you ever pray for patience for me. Just let me be impatient. Because I tried praying for patience. And after about a year, I began to realize I ain't seen a green light in over a year. I can't get through traffic. I can't get through town, everything. I make a phone call. I get put on hold. Ain't nothing going right, and it dawned on me. I can't call y'all. I'm not calling me one. It dawned on me, you idiot. You're the one praying for patience. I learned God don't give patience. God teaches patience. So I don't want it no more. Just let me be impatient. So JB did that to me that night. I'm minding my own business, trying to get home. That's all I was trying to do. And he starts preaching on character. People start locking doors and overcharging me for prices. And my truck runs out of fuel. And sometimes you just got to work at it, amen. But there's never, there's never a bad time to display a Christian attitude. The truth is, it really is a battle within you. What happened at that Burger King? They, they don't remember nothing about me. But if I would have chewed them up one side down the other and spit them out, they'd remember everything about me. And I had a shirt on that said he's alive. I bet they would have noticed that too. So it really wasn't about them. It was really all about me. The, the guy at the tire store was being a jerk for no reason. I mean, I'm just trying to buy a tire. He's paid about an hour, five o'clock. He wants to get off. I don't know what mattered to him. He closed the office and left the dude outside. The one stayed. He and I had a pretty nice conversation. It really wasn't about them, was it? When we go through stuff, it's not about them. It's about us. It's God teaching us some stuff. But I can tell you this. When before you leave a conversation, I can tell you that the guy that changed that second tire for me, he knows that that joker inside there overcharged me. He knows that that guy had his head up his backside. And he knows that I treated that guy with respect and I paid for the tire and talked to that guy and I talked to him about the Lord and about church. So he knows that what's in me was real. Does that make sense? But it really wasn't about him that, that whole day. I mean, I made it from 
Hogansville to New York, loaded that thing up, made it almost back to North Carolina in one trip. I not never got home to North Carolina. Next time, I'm going all the way around North Carolina, however long it takes. I ain't, I'm not going through, what is that town up there in Tennessee? Is that Nashville? Yeah. Oh, God. Y'all ever drive through Nashville? If you want patience, go drive through that town. Lord, help you. Character. When we leave here, that, that ought to be something we need to work on, build on. But I can tell you this. We cannot display a Christian character if you are not reading this book every morning. You will not display a Christian character through a daily trial if you did not pray before you walked out the door. One more, and then I'm going to pray more and close. How many of you have ever walked out of your house? You've been going through your day. Everything's upside down. It's about lunchtime, and you're ready to tie somebody in a knot, and you don't really care who it is. And then you happen to remember, I didn't pray before I left the house this morning. Anybody ever done that besides me? And just stop where you're at and pray, and it's a game changer. It's a game changer. Because, because you walked out without doing business with the Lord and without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And, and the world was winning. And it's like the Holy Spirit reminds you, you didn't pray this morning. You asked for what you're getting. I don't care where you are, stop and pray. It's a game changer. We can't, we can't let people see Christ in us if we don't put him in us before we go out in the mornings. Amen. God, thank you so much. God, I thank you for teaching us. God, thank you for long-suffering. Thank you for patience in spite of us. Lord, that you just continue to love us, continue to work. And God, when we fail, instead of writing us off, you just pick us up, God. You, you brush us off and clean us off. And, and God, you let us go through trials because it's your desire to make us better, Lord. It's your will to make us stronger. And everything that you do is to make us better so that you might be glorified, God. I just want to tell you thank you, Father. Lord, I wish I could get to where Paul talks about. I wish I could glory in tribulation, but I haven't got to that place, God. I still pitch a fit in tribulation, but I can look back on them and see where you did something special, God. And I just thank you for the times that you've brought us through, Father. I pray here as a church and for each one of us, God, will you continue to pour your grace out on us, but I pray you continue to strengthen us, God, and build character within us that people might see Christ in us, Lord. I pray you'd use us, this church, to change this town, God. I pray, Lord, that you, you would help us to change this town in such a way that it begins to glow, that we literally begin to change the world, God. I know it can be done. You did it with a handful of men, and they didn't have any internet or anything, God. They walked barefooted on dirt roads, and you changed the world. I know you can use us, Father. I pray you'd help us to be fully surrendered that you might do something amazing through us. We love you, Lord. You've been good to us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.